Jesus, we, we want to see you, you alone. Some of us right now, we're seeing our pain, our anger, our betrayal. But this morning we ask, may we see you. And may we hear you. Some of us are seeing the struggle that keeps disqualifying us. But we want to see you. Some of us, we are seeing our brokenness, our emptiness, but may we see you. <laughs> may we see you. Holy Spirit, may you remove all the things that are distracting us, the budget, the food, the hunger, the pride, the anxiety, we want to see you. Where we sing our sickness, we want to see you. Where we are seeing and hearing our doubt, we want to hear you and see you. Open the eyes of our hearts because we want to see you high and lifted up, high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory, and pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. Because Jesus, your glory. Power and love can be compared to any of our troubles. So may we see you. May we see you and see you alone. Amen. Amen. You guys may take your seats. Show some love to our band for leading us in our time of worship. My name is Yamikani. If we haven't met yet, uh, I'm Humphrey's twin brother, and uh, I'm very honored to be here, um, and I get to open the Word of God with you, and we are in John chapter 14, as you heard, but I wanted to just celebrate Pastor Huff and Kate for how much they love this church, but also love flat churches, amen? Um, I have said this before, some of you may not have heard me say it. Uh, I planted flat planted in 2015, but we started doing work there earlier than that. And I used to go to Blanta when I was staying here with Pastor Humph every weekend to pray, recruit, before we even made a move to go there. Or to say, if not for your lead pastor here, I doubt even if flat Blanta would be there. So for the work God is doing in our city and how much Humphreys carries among all our pastoral leadership in the country, that man and his wife just love us so well. So please celebrate him. Um, amen. If you are able to send them on a date or help them with the kids and stuff like that, please do. Because not only are they carrying in prayer, support and love this church, but as well they get to 
be our older elders, leaders among equals in our Flood Church Association. So uh, I wanted to just mention that in case some of you don't know that. But this morning, I, I wanted us to just start with this wrestle, man. Like, there is no place when you read the gospel, when you read the good news, or when you read the Bible, there's no place in the equation where God is doing something to not be with us. In other words, Jesus is doing something continuously to be with you. Jesus steps into the world incarnation, so he is God with us. Jesus goes to the cross because he is God with us. Even when you read this passage from the beginning to the end, God is on a mission to remove anything that separates us from him because this life is meant to be a God with us life. We are the ones that create and bring stuff that separate us from God. But even in Romans, the Bible says, what can separate us from God? Is it death? Death has no sting anymore. That can separate you from God. Is it angels? Like, oh yeah, maybe angels are powerful. No, 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 no. Nothing can separate us from God because from the beginning to the end, it's always been about being with God. What's Christianity about? It's you being with God. And a lot of times, a lot of times, I or you, we sit at a place of doing than being with God. So I wanted to start with that. It has always been about being with God. Why did Jesus show up? It's because we could not be with God because of our sin. So Jesus came to live a perfect life. He became a perfect lamb who was sacrificed on our behalf for the sake of our sins. Why? So that we should have stuff? No. So that we are with God. So we can be with God. So from the onset, currently, wherever you are at today, are you being with God? Are you seeing how much God has done everything so he can be with you? Are you walking in that or you're leaving that for other people? Are you being with God? Because it's always being with God over doing for God. For God has pursued us. Jesus came. It's God with us. Jesus, even when he was leaving, you're going to see in this passage at the end of John chapter 14, he says, unless I leave, you want to experience more of God. That's my paraphrasing. Unless I leave, the Holy Spirit won't do what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do. Jesus coming is so you're with God. Jesus leaving is so that you'll be with God. But what has he left to do? He's left to prepare a place so you are with God. There's no piece of this equation where it's not about being with God. Meaning, if you're living your life and there are pieces of it that you refuse God to be part of, you're the one who is missing a whole transformation of what your life could be and life should be. The goal for God is for you to be with Him. The goal for God is for you to be with Him to the point that He removes all distractions so God is with us. Now, when we are landing in this passage, from chapter 13, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, with his boys, and he's casting a vision of what's going to happen. And he's telling them, well, some of you are going to 
deny me. That's minimizing. You guys are going to deny me. And actually, one of you is going to betray me. Or so I have to leave. Or so there's more that God wants to do through you. And Jesus is just telling them what's going to happen. And this is like the Thursday before he was betrayed and arrested. And these guys have been with him. And what they have seen, the miracles, the power, the healing of the sick, the raising of the dead. And Jesus is telling them all these things. And they're like, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean you have to die? We saw you resurrecting Lazarus. Can you just remix that for yourself? Like, Jesus, what can you do? So in that moment, Jesus notices and recognizes and actually does diagnose that these people are troubled. And they have valid reasons to be troubled. Because like, okay, is it me that's going to deny him? Wait, why would I even deny him? Like, I have seen him do so many things. Why, would he, why in the world would I even deny him? I'm better than this. Like, so they can be shamed, they can be feared, and all these other things I can't. Only imagine what was going on in their heads. But the reality was Jesus had been clear that we're going to deny him. And in case of Jesus saying, hey, because you're going to deny me, you guys are worthless. Because you're going to deny me, you guys are unimportant. Because you're going to deny me, you guys don't matter at all. What does Jesus do? He gets to verse 1. For them to say, hey, hey, I've told you a lot. There's so much to process. A lot is going to happen. But don't be troubled. <laughs> like, wait, Jesus, this is a perfect moment to just kazula Peter. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus, like, this, this idiot is going to mess things up. Just destroy him so that he can run to you repenting. And Jesus does not do that. In this moment where he can use his power and foreknowledge to gain mileage above what they are seeing, Jesus, Jesus does not shame them. Jesus does not accuse them. Jesus invites them to faith. Jesus invites them to trust. That in this moment that you're troubled, and I know a lot of us, we're here and we're looking good and we're looking relaxed, but I can only imagine the troubles you are numbing by being in church right now. Come on. That some of us have troubles that we don't even have names for. <laughs> I don't even know what to call it. There is just so much trouble. I'm a troubled being, not a human being. You know what I mean? Like, like to the point that some of our troubles, how we grew up, what we've been through, has become how we define ourselves. Mm -mm. Our definition is big. I don't define myself. No, no, no. Our troubles have become how we speak to ourselves. We just speak ourselves as troubles. Like, oh, it's just another day in my life. So what does Jesus speak to his disciples, that is a, almost a prescription, not just a description, a prescription for what we should hear in our moment of trouble. Jesus says, hey, 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 it's so chaotic, you can't do it without me. So, do not be troubled. Like, you have to really have a good one with all that you have dropped on us. For you to demand that from us. And Jesus is like, hey, I got one better. Do not be troubled. Believe in God. <laughs> believe God. And believe me. Why? So Jesus starts breaking that down. He diagnoses that our default approach to life is trouble. 
We see trouble everywhere. We accumulate things to be away from trouble. We build wealth, build families, build fences, because we don't want any trouble. That for a lot of us, the approach to life is, as long as I'm not in trouble, I have made it well in this life. And Jesus is speaking to that, recognizing that. Troubled with our pride, troubled by our sicknesses, our weak bodies, our lust, our pride. Troubled, troubled, troubled with money, with relationships, with the future. Our past speaking louder than the truth we're hearing from God. Jesus is speaking to that. And it's like, let your heart not be troubled. Because this is how you overcome trouble in your life. You believe in God. You don't believe the trouble. You don't believe the volume of the trouble. Because some of us, we believe in the trouble because it's just louder than any other thing we're hearing in our life. So it's like, hey, hey, believe in God. Why should I believe in God? Why should I trust his perfection? Why should I trust his faithfulness? Why should I trust his provision? Why should I believe God? Why should I believe him? And I love where he starts. We should trust God because there's room for you. (laughs) A lot of you have spent so much time. Ah, Let me not speak to you. I have spent so much time trying to get in the room. (laughs) Working so hard so I can be part of the conversation in a room or I can be somewhere around the room. So when I come to God, I want to try to figure out how can I kind of play a game before God so I'm included in whatever God is doing. Like, hey, your grand plan for life, for this city, for the universe, how how can I get in there? How can I sneak myself in there? I'll do whatever it takes to just be in the room. So a lot of times we approach life, we approach God from a place of there's no room, just like there was no room in the inn for Jesus. So I'm just going to figure out how to find myself in the room. And, and the first thing, he says, hey, do not be troubled. Why? Because there's a place for you. There's room for you. In God's family, there's room for forgiveness. There's room for hope. There's room for blessings. There's room for peace. There's room for joy. There's room for you. Like a lot of times, it looks like there's room for every other person but me. And God's like, no, oh, no, 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 no. Dude, there's room for you. There's actually room for you. Like, why are all these hard, tough things happening to me? There probably must not be room for me. In that troubled time where they should be speaking, there's probably nothing for us. Jesus is like, whoa, hold up. This is why you should trust in God. Because there's room for you. (laughs) So, So you hear it in his word. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Like, even in the future end of life, there's a place for you. So you can trust God. Because from the beginning to the end, he's created room for you. And, and watch the second one. Why should we trust God? Because you're not an afterthought. God did not just stumble upon your prayer request and go like, oh, I didn't see that one coming. Jesus says, hey, I go to prepare a place for you. (laughs) It seems God is in heaven doing other people's businesses. No, 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 no. Jesus is like, (laughs) I'm here to prepare a place for you. For you. 
And a lot of us, people don't prepare anything for us. <laughs> We're the ones that prepare stuff for other people. So to hear the king of the universe preparing something for us, it doesn't make sense. But give yourself the permission to believe God that he actually is preparing something for you. Show yourself compassion. Come on now. If you're in a troubled place, come on, compassion to yourself. You've never been here. You don't know how to figure this thing out. You don't know. You don't have to. But the one thing you don't know why those things are happening can never be clear to you. But what's clear to you is God is working everything together for good, a.k.a. He is preparing continuously a place for you, a table before your enemies. He's doing stuff beyond places that we didn't think those places should work for us. So Jesus cast a bigger vision. You, you want rest? I'm preparing a place of rest for you where the troubles of this world will never be able to come close to you or touch you. I'm preparing a place for you, but until there, I am with you to the very end of the age. Why should you trust God? <laughs> it's because, verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I'll take you to myself. He's going to the cross is not so just you say a prayer. He's going to the cross is not so just you get some kind of stuff in this world. The mission is God with you. So Jesus says, you are meant to be with him. So he goes to prepare a place so that where he is, you are with him. Because when you are with him, there's perfection, there's life, there's love, there's identity, there's grace, there's hope, there's life in its fullness with him. So what Jesus is preparing for you, even for later after this life, is a place with him. And that is important. That is important to, 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 to think about that. Because a lot of times, or if you're like me, you were introduced to Christianity as a getaway to getting stuff not getting God. Jesus was the solution to get whatever I need that I cannot work hard for and a quick way to that is to go fasting and pray and God will give me that stuff. I'm not saying God does not give you beyond your dreams what you can think or imagine. All I'm saying is this whole thing is about being with God. Would you still want to be in heaven with everything there but God not there? Because Jesus is like, hey, and I know I've said that before. I think it was John Piper that put it in a question to say, would you ever want to be in heaven if God was not there? With all the good things there, with all the perfect things, with all the money, the streets of gold, or whatever picture of heaven you have, would you want to be in heaven if God was not there? And sometimes, you know, my, my brain is like, yeah, bro, come on, it's heaven. But it's because sometimes my affections, my lust, my pride wants things of God but not God. When this whole life is about getting God, getting God, seeking his kingdom first and his righteousness. Which is pretty cool because his righteousness is something we receive as a gift. So it's like getting that first and all these other random awesome fun things that we make into the main things will be added to you. But after what? Seeking him first. 
and his righteousness. And, and the righteousness piece is, is something a lot of us don't want to sit on. We just want to stop at the air. I'm going to seek his kingdom first. And what that looks like is I'll do whatever I need to do to get what God is going to give me. No, 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 God. <laughs> when you have said yes to Jesus, your identity becomes righteousness. It becomes known, loved, and properly approved by God because of everything you are, everything you're becoming has been given to you by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that Jesus gave us on that cross was he was clothed in our sin, treated as sin, died as the addict, died as the, every other thing you can think about, and he handed his approved righteousness before God. And we are clothed in that righteousness, and we have our being, and we move, and we live from a place of right standing with God because we've been made right in God by what Jesus completely accomplished on the cross. So that's where life is starting from. So you're starting from a place of righteousness. You're starting from seeking God and his righteousness. And the way you're even seeking that righteousness is continuously saying yes to Jesus. Because all you're doing is receive. (laughs) You're not earning. And and somehow I still want to earn my way to God. I'm like, I prayed the prayer, but the rest I got this. (laughs) It's like, no, it's not like that. So why should we trust God? Because there's room for us. And we are not an afterthought. And Jesus' desire is to be with us. And, and the fourth thing is as the same, which is our Father is present with us. And the Holy Spirit is present with us. That in my Father's house are many rooms. If we were not so, I, ha- I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you and I'll come again to take you to be with me. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said, I love Thomas. We all need some Thomases sometimes because they ask good questions. Sometimes, not all the times. They are not the prescribed way to do life. They're described to say, "Eh, maybe not always do that. But Thomas shows up with this brilliant question that people are still asking up to today. But the question is, uh, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And we answer the way is like, okay, just make sure there are multiple ways everyone is right. We'll see at the end of time. Jesus would have just said, hey, just try me. Or go to the mountain. Or tithe a little bit more. No, no, no. Jesus does not answer that way. He says something that today in our culture we find it more offensive, but we forget that it probably was also offensive in a lot of ways to these guys that had been with him and to the culture that Jesus was calling them and sending them to be. And Jesus answered, well, don't you know? After Thomas asked, Lord, we do not know where you're going. One, we like, dude, where are you going? You're supposed to be with us. We're supposed to conquer Israel. Uh, and defeat all their enemies. How can we know the way? And Jesus solves the biggest question of life. And, how, oh, and this biggest question is like, how do we know God? How do we get to God? And who is God? And Jesus just puts it this way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's take it back. When you are troubled, when life is hard, what do you do? Jesus says, to your trouble, 
to your complications, to your relational hardships that we are all going through. Jesus says, to that, to your addiction. Hello, any addicts in the building? Amen. Praise God. I love you. Uh, we, we're in this together. Jesus is continuously redeeming us. What does Jesus say to that? <laughs> to your addiction, to our addiction, Jesus says, hey, I'm the way, the truth, the life. To our fear, what does Jesus say? I'm the way, the truth, the life. To our relational breakdowns, what does Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. To actually the purpose of existence and how we get to know God. He says, you know God through me because I'm the clarity, the truth, the purpose, and the reason for existence. And I am the life continuously. That not only Jesus does recruits himself as the how the biggest question of life is, how do we know God? As I'm the answer to that, but he provides how we should see how he is the answer to that. So Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. How do we trust God? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. How about the people that believe different to us? He's the way, the truth, and the life. What if it's complicated, Jesus? I am the way, the truth, and the life. What if I don't want anything to do with religion? I am the way, the truth, and the life. What if I can't believe you, God? I am the way, the truth, and the life. What if I'm tired of pain and I'm exhausted of this life? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because in Jesus, your addiction, your bondage, your anxiety is how you get out of it. Your hope completely filled in the finished, complete work of Jesus. The reason why I have always wrestled with, man, this must have been tough for these guys. is because they had not experienced the resurrection. This thing is happening before the resurrection. And, and they're sitting, they're not sure, is this Jesus going to really... Rise from the dead. You and me are the ones that today are reading from a complete different place. But you notice that this mattered to them. Because when Jesus rose from the dead and they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, they were able to die for the way. To the point that they were continuously called people of the way. People that are following Jesus. People of the way. Because they had understood and sin, how Jesus would take us out of our lack of clarity in life and direction to a place of rest, to a place of identity, to a place of forgiveness, to a place of hope, to a place of restoration. They had seen it and experienced it. So when they're hearing Jesus, I'm the way, they're hearing Jesus Recruit himself as the only way to meet and see God. And why is that important? Because Jesus is the only way, because only Jesus could completely, fully, truly satisfy the requirements of being saved in God. What do I mean by that? I'm going to repeat it. I said it slowly at the beginning. So I'll say it slowly again. You and me could not save ourselves. Our sin needed something before God. And that something continuously would be sacrifices. So people would sacrifice to be with God, to be in the presence of God. Why? Because God is just and God is righteous. Be holy, therefore, because I am what? Holy. God's state of being is holiness. 
we betrayed what it means to have life and to be life. So sin crept into us. So sin engineered all the good things and good potential we had to become things that can destroy us, destroy marriages, relationships, life, and what it means to be human. But Jesus came before to a people that had a bunch of rules to be right with God. And he completely loved and people lived for God to a point where God was satisfied with him. But because of the evil in our hearts, there's a hymn, an old hymn that says, were you there when they crucified my Lord? It's it's an old, old hymn. That hymn asked the question, when Jesus was on the cross, were we part of putting him on the cross? And the answer is yes. Because when Jesus completely lived a perfect life before God, he died a death we should have died so we could have a life we could not have made on our own to have. Before Jesus... Life and faith was different in so many ways. But because of Jesus, we now have a, (laughs) I love how scripture puts it, the image of the invisible God. He is how you see God. He's how you know God. He's how you come to God. Because in Jesus, that's where full obedience, full acceptance, and full payment for our iniquities was managed to have and was had by God so that we can come to God with confidence, not in our own works, for you have been saved by faith in Jesus Christ is not your works. He saved us not because of our righteous things, but because of his grace and mercy. He saved us, he rescued us from sin while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. All these things completely throwing us to this point that he is the one who can say, I am the way to God. Because he is the one that completely, truly, fully satisfied the requirements of being right with God, being met in God. So in Christ, humanity and God meets. Without Christ, that is still a journey and a way that people are running around trying to figure out how do we get to God. Maybe go to this holy site. Maybe go around and do all these other perfect things. Hey, you shouldn't lie. You shouldn't do all these other things. And Jesus shows up and leaves out a perfect life, honoring God and loving people but dies on a cross as if he was the filthy liar, the filthy addict like me, the prideful man. And in Christ, when he was sacrificed on the cross and humiliated, I find my life and my identity. Not in the lies and the addictions, but in the righteousness he has handed to me. So when Jesus is saying, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the way, And the truth, he's speaking to the clarity. This is how we should live in life. This is how we should become. This is how we should know God. Jesus is the way to God because it's the truth of God. He embodies the supreme revelation of God. And at the same time, at that same time, Jesus is God's gracious self-disclosure of who God is. So if you're at a place, and we said this before, if you're at a place, life is hard and you're troubled. Your troubles is not who God is. Jesus is who God is. How do we see God when there's pain in the world? We don't see the pain. We see Jesus. It's not that we're ignoring the pain. No, 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 no. Because the pain is not the image of God. Jesus is. Is God patient with people? Yes. Look at Jesus. That's how we see if God is patient with people. Is God forgiven? Look at Peter. Look at the disciples. Look at the people that were complicated in sin that Jesus protected before he even told, go sin no more. Is my troubles, my pain, 
the way I should see God, and God says, no, man, Jesus is. You think about betrayal, he's the one who was betrayed, but that's how you see God. You don't see God simply based on my troubles and your troubles. We see God based on the perfect lamp. Jesus. So how are you seeing God? For Jesus is the truth. And he's the life. <laughs> and life because sin is death. And you know it. The life that is suffocated out of you every time you're living in sin. You know it. And sin is never satisfied. You have to do a little bit more. Come on. You have to go get a little bit more. You got to get so confused, so deep in there that it's your identity that you refuse to see life any other way. The only way you get out of that is because by the grace of Jesus Christ. In other words, the only way we get to see Jesus for who he is is by the grace Jesus has given us. And this grace is not from our own words because faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So from first to beginning, it's all about God. It's Jesus doing everything so we can be with God. Our faith is coming from God. You just can find faith in yourself. That faith is because God put it there by his word. We come to God because we heard his word. So from beginning to end, Jesus is making this being with him about him continuously. To the unrighteous, Jesus says, I'll be your righteous covering. To the powerless, he says, I'll be your defense. To the fatherless, Jesus is like, I am your father. To the empty, he says, I will be your fullness. To the dead, he says, I'll be your resurrection and the life. And to the defeated, he says, I'll be your hope. Which one is true for you? Are you powerless? Are you defeated? Are you angry? Are you hopeless? Are you exhausted? Are you tired? Are you frustrated? Even with the small little things, and Jesus says, come to me. All who are weary and are heavy laden, and I'll give you something you cannot fabricate and make up with anything you are using to numb your heart. I'll give you rest. I'll give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. I'll give you something the world cannot give you because I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Only I gives you a thing no one and nothing can give you. So why are you chasing things that are just taking the life out of you? Why are you chasing relationships that are just taking from you? Why are you chasing visions that are completely not clear because they're just messing you and distracting you. Why are you chasing the things you are chasing? Why are you so rooted in the lifeless things this life is offering you? Because the troubles call for a solution. And normally we run to other things we can have some control on. And some of you, you're just there deliberately. But some of you just realized you're there. And Jesus still says, come to me. <laughs> come to me, man. Come to me. And this morning, I'm going to come to Jesus. I don't know if you want to do that with me. But I want to come to Jesus with the weariness of my heart. The bypassing of my situations. I want to come to God for my marriage, for my businesses, for my leadership. I want to come to God with that. To say only you are the one that can give life to these dead bones. Can these dead bones live? 
Only you know Jesus. So this is what we know. He is the resurrection and the life. And because he's righteous, you can trust his promises. Because if he breaks his promises, he's no longer righteous. So this morning, let the righteousness of God not be something that scares you. Let, make it something that moves you closer to him. Because he is bound to his word. His word will accomplish what God has sent it forth to do. So can we rise and trust God together? If you are at a place where you're like, hey man, I just, yeah, I'm in church. I'm completely exposed before God. <laughs> we are completely exposed before God. We are completely known before God. So there's, there's no need for us to not say, God, come. God, come. God, we will exhort you. Our hiding place, our safe refuge. Your power is great. <laughs> Your kindness leads to repentance. And God, I want to repent of my fears. I want to repent of my unrighteousness. I want to repent of my anger. I want to repent of my lust. I want to repent of my doubt. I want to repent for all the things I bring to you that are sucking the life out of me. Because only you are life. I want to repent for trying other ways when you clearly are the way. I want to repent for seeking other visions of truth because they're popular. Because I'm afraid of what will people say if I believe in your truth. I want to repent of our addictions, God, as a church. I want to repent and run to you because you love us. Because you want us. Because it's about being with you. Holy Spirit, I want to repent for refusing your noddings, your, your direction and your help. I want to repent for treating you as an observer, not a helper. And I want to invite you right now to be our help. Be our help. In our unrighteousness, be our help. In our fear, be our, our help. In our sicknesses, be our help. Speak your word. And meet us in a new way. May you just open your mouth and invite God to that area that only God can help you with. God, I pray on behalf of my brothers and sisters. Meet us. Meet us. Let your truth speak hope and life to our dead situations. Help us move out of distractive places, relationships, and commitments that are not from you. Help us see you and be redeemed and be helped by you. Help us see you. Because we want to exhort you. Only you should have the highest place in our lives. So we exhort you. We have prayer counselors. I will be in the front if you need more prayer. But let us worship Jesus together. And tell him that we will exhort him. Not our troubles, not our crises. Only Him will be exalted, for He deserves our glory. In Jesus.